before I get to the message. At Mark 8.35, as you remain standing, it says this. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then in the same sister scripture, if you will, in Luke 9.23, he says, Jesus, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would move through me like never before, that your anointing would flow and touch hearts, touch lives, that we would understand who you are and why you saved us. I pray that we would listen to the tug of your voice, that we might move in power, in authority. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. So, you know, when I got saved and I read things, I, I try to get practical and say, what the heck is he talking about? And I'm talking about God. He would, he, he would say stuff like that to me, and I'd read it, and I'd go, what? Because it, it's very um, abstract when, when he says, pick up your cross daily. Okay, what does that mean? I, I, you know, put a cross around my neck and rock, walk around? Pick up my cross. And so, you know, you read it, and you, you understand what the cross is. And we see Jesus on the cross, and he died on the cross, but what does it mean to pick up our cross? And then because it's so vague, everybody tries to make the cross look appealing to their lifestyle. Right? Because, you know, we, we don't want to self-inflict any pain. There's enough pain as it is in the world. Why should we have any more pain? Right? And so I, I have these things in my, my mind, and then I get saved, and I hear Pastor Sonny and talking about the vision, um, talking about what we're called to do, our mission. And then as I read about the cross, the one thing that stood out for me when I when I looked at the cross was the the, the sheer essence of power that was available. That that caught my attention. Power. Power defined as the ability to do something or act in a particular way. Power. Some people have a power of speech. It's a potential competence. You have, you have power. So if you look at it a little deeper, the capacity or ability to direct or the behavior of others or course of events. Power. So power, it comes in a lot of forms. I deal with politicians all the time and they always talk about economic power. And when you look at economic, economic power, what is power, right? You have market power, the ability to, 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 um, to profitably raise the market price. And that, I, mean, I don't want to get too deep, but it's like uh, Walmart. Walmart are so powerful, market power, that they can change their price on products with the, the flick of a switch. They are a gross national product in themselves. They're worth billions and billions of dollars. They have great market power, right? 
a monopoly power, like the old AT&T, the old phone companies. There used to be one phone company in the entire world, entire United States, AT&T, and they broke it up. That's where we got Verizon, AT&T, all these different companies. They were all, it used to be one, and they broke it up because they had the power, they can control the prices. It was almost like Colorado Springs when I got it. They only had one phone company. Remember that? Quest. And they were terrible. They didn't care about you. And if you wanted a phone, you had to wait a week or whatever. And if they didn't come on time, they used to say, tough. Because you couldn't go nowhere. Now, you know, they broke up the monopoly. So we can go a different place. But to have that kind of power, you know, bargaining power, the ability to, to, to influence the outcome, bargaining power, power. So I kept thinking about power. The cross is power. And the cross is more than all that. That's limited power. Then I look at the, the word superpower. I go, okay, maybe he's talking about superpower. Now, superpower is a term used to describe a country or a, with a dominant position, a country characterized by a sense of ability to exert influence or project power on a global scale. Power expressed by technology, culture, military, economic strength. So the traditionally, superpowers are, are preeminent among the great powers, superpowers. Something superpower. The term was first applied to the British Empire, the United States, and the Soviet Union. These were the first superpowers. They influenced and could manage and control, and they played games and political games with the world. Superpowers. So with this brief understanding of power, none of this can compare to the power of the cross. None of it. A few months ago, Several of, of us, some of the guys we met, and I asked, what is the theme of Victor Arch Colorado Springs? Because I had this concept of power, right? And when we dialogue, talk about it. So our purpose must be complete. And you gotta understand, I, I set these, these ground rules. Our purpose, what our theme must be in complete harmony with Pastor Sonny, his vision. Right? I'm here under orders. So we can we have our own vision, our own our own theme, but it has to be in complete harmony with my pastor's vision. And I wanted the ideal of who we are to be short and sweet. I didn't want some long, drawn out, you know, uh, phrase or paragraph. I wanted something that's gotta be short. We should be able to surmise who are we? Who who is the George Colorado Springs? Moreover, it needed to lie totally with the mission of Jesus Christ. Well, it doesn't seem like uh, much, but it, it's a lot more difficult than it seems. So as a result, or could I say our result, is on the banner. So uh, as your leader, I wanted all to know who has shaped my ideal ministry, those three men, right? And understand who we are. As Victor Arch Colorado Springs, we're vision driven and mission minded. That encapsulates who we are, what we try to do with our life. See, Jesus saved me. There's no doubt about it. But Pastor Sonny, Nikki Cruz, and Pastor Steve formed my life. 
and I gave them the right to form a life. I trusted them enough to believe that they were not going to harm me. And here I stand today, unharmed, blessed. 31 years of trust, right? Because you got to have, everybody's going to have to do that one time. We all know Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you from an eternity of damnation. But every one of us has to make a decision on who's going to form you. It's, it's a self, I mean, nobody put a gun to my head. I looked, I checked it out. I said, okay, I can do this. This is what I'm going to do. See, once one gives Jesus all their strength, mind, and heart, one must decide what philosophy of ministry will you commit to. Because we're all different. Doesn't mean anyone's better than another. Of course not. You know, some ministries are into burning incense. Praise the Lord. I used to burn incense, but not for ministry. I'll tell you that right now. You know what I'm talking about. Somewhere in, there, there's a lot of different philosophies of life, different lifestyles, different, different cultures, different you name it, that determine what appeals to you. Amen? It's like sports. I'm a Raider fan. Can't help it. I grew up there. I, I grew up just south of Oakland. People say, how do you feel about the Raiders moving to Las Vegas? I go, well, you know, I'm a Raider fan. Oakland is Oakland. It's cool. You know, I ain't got, but I, I ain't from Oakland. I'm from Dakota, no neighborhood south of Oakland. I'm a Raider fan. No, no, I'm in Colorado country. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me now. I ain't talking bad about the Broncos. But I'm just saying, it's different strokes for different folks. Ministry the same thing. Right? See, you have to want to belong to a church that's vision-driven and mission-minded. Some don't like that. Some don't like the push towards doing what I'm going to ask all of us to do. Hmm? Again, Jesus saved me, but these three men on that banner shaped my, my, my concept of ministry. See, one, one must decide the philosophy of ministry you'll commit to. Ah, now it gets back to what I was talking about earlier. Because we have a specific cross in mind. Because we're going to have to pick up our cross. Well, let me say this. You need to realize that you need a cross. Jesus says, you must pick up your cross. How often? Daily. Huh? So then you have to accept that there's no shortcuts. There's no easy way around the ministry that God has created for you. There's none. And last, you've got to understand, if you have no cross then you have no power. I'll say like this, no cross equals no power. I mean, why should God chip you off a little bit, a little some-some, if you're not going to use it for what he intended? Remember I said our vision has to align with Jesus Christ's vision, his mission. He doesn't want to give you power so we can walk around and say, oh, I'm powerful. Are you powerful? How's your power? Let me see your power. Who touch me? Oh, make me fall down. Some people, that's called playing church. That's not what it was intended. The gifts are not intended for that. The gifts are intended for use in Jesus' mission. Right? So I'm looking at this. When you are a vision-driven, and I say this, when you are vision-driven, and mission-minded, you come to a point that you welcome the cross. 
with all its trials. Because listen, the cross is not Disneyland. You walk on the cross with all its trials. For us, because we understand this, the cross is the source of power. Forget market power, economic power, forget superpower. We want all power. Ooh. See, Jesus said, all power, all authority I have, and I give to you. To who? No, no, no. Don't say us unless you're in. You got to be in to get the power. You just don't get the power because, you know, I know who Jesus is. No, 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 no. So I'm going to explain. So if you look at Jesus and his mission, he could have avoided the cross, right? He had, he had already the power to avoid it. In John 10, 17, reads, the reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. This verse clearly describes the source of God's power or that the source of God's power is his love. Oh. Look what Jesus says. You know, he could have said, God loves me because I'm his son. God loves me because, you know, I was with him in creation. God loves me. Why? And what did he say? Boil it down. He says this. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. Jesus, people have the audacity to say, God loves me because I was born. No, 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 no. If Jesus says, the reason God loves me is because I freely give my life, why does God love you? See, the, the, the human, humanistic gospel will say, God loves you because Jesus died for you. That's not nice, real poetic. That's not, no, 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 no. It's way beyond that. God loves Jesus because he laid down his life. It says that. Didn't I say it? Could you read it? See, if I had this kind of power, would I voluntarily die? That, that just steps out. That, that's just mind-blowing. If you had that kind of power, you had the power, but you know what? I had to die. Why I had to, to die for Jose. Would you? See, now you can see why God loved Jesus. Because Jesus had all his power. He said, you know, he freely, he, 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 he puts his power aside, and he says, I'm going to die for this person. And God knew that we did nothing but hell. God knows what type of people we are. We might look good and talk good in public, but in our mind, where has our mind been? Most of us, not all of you, probably I'm speaking for myself, sometimes my mind goes in the gutter. Hello, someone. He knows what you're thinking, and do you think he would love you because your mind is in the gutter? No, 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 no. He loves you for how you feel about others. He sees, he knows everything about you. He goes, man, look at this person. He still cares. And he's willing to sacrifice himself for that person. And that person is no good as well. Could, could, could you see the picture now? Hmm? So, power is enclosed in one's influence or authority. 
one's influence or authority, right? So let me, let me uh, the screen here is weird. They updated my um, my computer and I get lost. One more time. There it goes. It says, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Right? He had the authority. The authority or he had the power, right? If Jesus had avoided it, laying his life down, he would not have realized his purpose. Even Jesus had a purpose. But he understood one thing. If I'm going to do my purpose, if I, I have a mission... Then this is what I this is the first step into the mission. Boom. All one does on earth, if one is to please God, relies on God's purpose. Say God's purpose. So everything you do, if it's gonna please God, has to somehow be in connection to be tied to God's purpose. Correct? So the word was made flesh, John 1.14. Because blood is in the flesh, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So people do not come into the world merely to live and be saved. Hmm? See, if all we did was come into the world to be saved, then we, we'd be no better than an animal. Huh? No. See, in addition to a soul and body, we have a spirit. To fail to accomplish the purpose for which God destined us is to miss the real joy of life and to minimize the spirit in us. The spirit in us. See, Christianity without the cross means this. There's no resurrection. The cross. And he says, you have to pick up your cross. So Christianity, Jesus without the cross, no resurrection. So what does that mean to us? Because he said we're to pick up a cross. So that if we don't pick up a cross, guess what? Then we don't get resurrected. There has to be a cross. Without the cross, there's no resurrection. Without the cross, there's no power. Whoa. So that would make us, if we didn't have the resurrection and power, that would make us equivalent to one of the many religions in the world. Buddhist. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, my sweet Lord. You and George Harrison. Right? If we didn't have the resurrection, it would not be the transforming power of God unto salvation that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. There would be no power without a resurrection. So, but before you can have a resurrection in your life, there has to be a cross. See, the cross is the source of power for us. The cross, now listen. I'm getting to the crux of what I'm trying to bring to you. The cross was Jesus' mission, right? His, let me say that again. The cross was Jesus' mission. Us receiving his redeeming power is God's vision. Okay, God had a vision. He's in heaven. And God holds all this power, all this love. What could it? Love and power do if you don't have anybody to share it with. 
Correct? So in his vision, he said, I'm going to make a people, right? I'm going to make, and I've talked about, I'm going to make a perfect, imperfect people. He didn't want a perfect people. Adam and Eve were perfect and they blew it, but he put in them the ability to be imperfect, to make a mistake, to sin. Correct? Why? That was part of his plan. Why? Because he wanted a perfect people who could say, you know, God, go to hell. Why? Because he wanted them to get past themselves and say, God, I could say that, but I would rather, much rather say, God, you are my Lord and my master. Though you gave me the ability to reject you, I choose not to. That was his vision. Well, how do you accomplish your vision? I know. Because of that sin, I have to send my son on a mission. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So you, you see what I'm talking about? You see it? You see the picture? Huh? So the cross represents the mission. Mission driven. The cross represents the mission. Jesus spoke about the necessity of the cross. We needed the cross. Now listen, we can say, yeah, but I bet you Jesus was saying, man, that's a bummer. Think about it. Sometimes, no, no, most all the time, when God reveals your cross, you're going to say this, that's a bummer. I got to do that? What? Just like Jesus. No cross. There's no resurrection. You think of the cross. Here's your cross. What is it? Candy cane. Oh, yay. What kind of cross is that? Sugar and spice and everything nice? That's not a cross. That's a gift of the devil. cross. Ooh, oh my goodness. And Jesus says, the cross is needed. Luke 9 22, he went on and he says this quote, it is necessary that the son of man proceed to an ordeal of suffering. He says necessary. Say necessary. <laughs> to be tried and found guilty by the religious leaders, high priests and religion and scholars. Be killed and on the third day be raised up alive. He said, it is necessary. Now go to Mark 8.31. It is the same scripture for, from a different writer. He then began explaining these things to them. It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried, found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religion scholars, be killed, and after three days rise up alive. He said this simply... And clearly, so they couldn't miss it. So it wasn't like a trick question. He said it clearly. And nonetheless, as clear as he said it, they didn't hear it. See, hearing doesn't mean you're necessarily listening. Right? This little word there, necessary, in some scriptures say must. In Mark 8.31 and Luke 9.22, it, when I read it, it just, like it arrested me. Hands up. Hands behind your back. You know what I'm talking about. Assume the position. You know what I mean? Right? I said, whoa, man, this guy got me hung up. So he did not die because the situation was unavoidable. 
we know, and we read earlier, the situation for him, he could have avoided it. It was avoidable. If he had the power to say, eh-eh, just like, oh, wow, just like you have the power to say, eh-eh, no, pastor, that's too hard. No, uh-uh. No, Holy Ghost, don't want to do that. Nuh-uh, sorry, sorry, Charlie. Just like you have the ability to make it avoidable, Jesus had the ability to make it avoidable. It was avoidable, but he understood this. It was necessary that he die. He knew the mission. He knew the vision. He was told. He said, well, if we're going to do this, if we're going to reach the world, then I have to do this. If we're going to go to every city, inner city of the world, then I have to do this. If we're going to go to every city in the world, then you have to do this. If we're going to go to every inner city of the world, then you have to do this. It is not, it is avoidable. You can avoid it, sure. But it is necessary. I have come to the understanding that it is necessary. See, his death was the route to redeem us. The power of the cross brought us into fellowship with God. So it was the must of duty. His mission. See, now when I read this and I think about the must of duty mission, I have the benefit of being a former soldier, of being in the military, and understand what it means to take an oath huh, and to be willing to kill and die for this country. So I've taken an oath. I did it, and I did it willingly. Nobody made me, and I knew what I was doing. Huh, when they gave me, gave me my, my M16 and told me to lock and load, I knew somebody was going to die. But also I knew that I could die as well. But I understand the must of duty. So when I read this, I say, okay, I got that. I've been there. I've done that. All right. I'm in. I'm in. See, most don't understand the duty we have. We have a duty. See, because of lack of knowledge, in fact, some unknowingly come against God's purpose. Not that they do it on purpose, but they said, no, I don't want it. They choose to unavoid it or to avoid it rather than do it, thus unknowingly hinder God's purpose. Peter did it. Here's Peter listening to Jesus talk. Same time frame. And, and he's listening. He goes, oh, check this man, this guy. I, I can imagine Peter. You no, know, he was always the, the, the leader of the pack. Brum, brum, leader of the pack, right? Ma- Mark, Matthew 16. Right? Let's look at that. Now, this is the sister, sister scripture of the first we read, Luke 9, 22 and Mark 31. But on Matthew 16, I want to back up to 21 and read through 24 so we can get a little bit of uh, context. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Very important to understand that. When people reject the cross, it's because they don't have in mind the things of God. They only have in mind the things of men. 
Jesus called the brother Satan. That's heavy, huh? Then Jesus says to the disciple, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And there he says, and take this cross and follow me. Jesus understood, look, I'm going to the cross, but the cross that you have is not going to be my cross. It's not going to be as brutal for you as it is for me. It may not have the complete ramifications that Jesus would have had if he had avoided the cross. But nonetheless, your cross has consequences when you do it and consequences when you don't. Hmm? Hello, somebody. Is anybody home? So to avoid, now here's where I get to our theme. To avoid becoming a stumbling block. Because Jesus called Peter, what do you call him? He said, you are a stumbling block. I, I read that, I go, man, I don't want to be a stumbling block. Anybody want to be a stumbling block? So I said, oh, man, I don't want to be no stumbling block. Because if Jesus called this brother a stumbling block, and then he didn't even just call him a stumbling block, he goes, Satan. I go, wow, man, I've been called a lot of things, but no one ever called me Satan. What do I got to do, Lord? To avoid becoming a stumbling block, Victor Outreach has a purpose. Because if we don't have a purpose, then we could easily become just like any other religion. Purpose. Vision-driven. Mission-minded. So we are mission-minded. Our example, again, is Jesus. See, Jesus is a missionary. Huh? See, he left heaven and came to earth. He took a missionary trip, but he didn't need a buddy pass. Praise the Lord. Huh? Upon his arrival, it wasn't the best place to arrive. His chosen people had lost their place in mankind. Men chose the creation over creator. The earth was demon-possessed. And God had not spoken to the world in over 300 years. This doesn't look like the greatest vacation to come to. Amen? He came to a place, a dark place, an evil place, a rugged place, an unattractive place. He left glory where the streets are gold. He left glory where angels were bowing down and worshiping. Him. He left glory to come to this place. See, Jesus' mission was not just to come to earth. That would have been bad enough. But his mission was to die on earth. So once he accomplished his mission, then Jesus provides for us a three-pronged global command for every believer. Not just for Pastor Al. For everyone. So our vision, we know, is... Preach the gospel, make disciples, and baptize them. So we're, we are vision-driven. The vision of Victor Arch is to go into every inner city of the world. Now, perhaps you can't go physically. Now, why do you think I'm so adamant, back up, about trying to send you overseas? Because I understand something. If you don't get involved in what God tells us to do, then you're in disobedience. And if you're in disobedience, then I can't help you. I'm trying to just make you not feel disobedient. Doesn't mean you have to live there. I ain't tell you to go to India, Bombay, 
I'm telling you to, to get involved in Jesus' mission somehow, some way. We do that the life groups. The life groups last year, I don't know how many, we should get a number, but they raised up thousands of dollars, right? And all that money went where? The Philippines. Why? Because I'm trying to align us with Jesus' mission. God's vision. So I do this and, and people don't understand. And they get earthly minded. They say, well, what are they, what are they doing with the money? Are they eating too many tacos? What are they doing with the money? Come on, people. Grow up already. Get past that. That's kid stuff. That's knick-knack, paddywhack, give a dog a bone stuff. We're way beyond it. We're trying to accomplish God's purpose, God's will. V.O., are you with me? That's what we're trying to do here. Huh? So once he accomplished, again, he gave us to preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize. We're vision-driven. Now, if you can't go, you can go somehow. You can help us. The mission given to us from Jesus takes a lot of effort. I'm letting you in. It's not an easy thing. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. But I'm going to tell you what, a lot of times it's going to be a blast. Oh, there's times where it can be hard. Yeah, of course. But it's not always like that. I can, speaking from 31 years of experience, most of the time it was a trip. Like, whoa, this is heavy stuff right here. I'm baptizing Filipinos in the South China Sea. Huh? I'm preaching in the streets of London, England, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am on Camps Bay, South Africa, watching the Indian Ocean hit the Atlantic Ocean while I'm laying hands on Afrikaans. Let me tell you what, sometimes it's hard, but most of the time it's good. It's good doing God's will. Huh? The vision. See, it's the vision that God gives reinvigorates. Yes, there's hard times. Dealing with things. Raising money. Right? Working hard. But when you do God's vision, it, it reinvigorates. Every time I go overseas, I come back feeling like King Kong. I just seen the movie King Kong. Oh, right? I do. I feel like King Kong. Come back. I want to jack up somebody. Why? Because I've been reinvigorated by the vision of God. Hmm? So his vision, and this is the, the, the best part, his vision, when I get involved in it, gets me closer to him. So people say, I want to be close to you, God. You can't get close just by praying. You can't get close just by giving. No, you have to get close by doing what God intended for us to do. As you do, you draw closer. You speak to him. You see him in every different situation. Oh my gosh, what a feeling. His vision means Jesus. Now listen, God's vision meant for Jesus to die. Whoa. Could you imagine God in heaven just dreaming up this vision and saying, wow, now i got to kill Jesus? Doesn't sound like a great vision to start off with, right? But see, but... The vision we're talking about, Victor Average, means that you're going to have to die in some area of your life. That's what he means by, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. Wow. See, Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Paul writing to the Galatian church, Galatian church, Galatians church rather, tell them, don't become weary and well-doing for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. The implication here is many will want to give up. Listen, has anybody wanted to give up? Let me say it again. Has anybody ever wanted to give up? It's okay. We all want to give up from time to time. It gets tough sometimes. But listen, when you stick it out, huh? when you press through and you just say, I'm going to do it anyway, you will reap a harvest. Huh? I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to give up. I want to probably give up a lot of time. I, came, I, I, I stopped counting. Huh? It's like being in a county jail. I, I ran out of space. Couldn't mock no more. They kept covering it. <laughs> Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews encourages us and he says, you have to consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition of sinful man so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. So when I'm going through it, that's what I do. I, I, I get back. And I, and I think about what Jesus went through. That's heavy stuff right there. Consider him. He, he endured such opposition from sinful men. Think about him so that you won't grow weary. Our vision and mission. I'm coming in for landing. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Scriptures, right there, right? I will go before you, 45, 2 and 3. Level the mountains, I will break down the gates of bronze, cut through bars of bronze, I will give you treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summoned you by the name. We, we, we fondly call this treasures out of darkness. These verses, now listen, these verses detail what God is going to do. If you read this, he says, I'm going to do this. Well, let me go. I will go. I will break. I will give so that you will know. That's a great, great thing, right? I will go. <laughs> I will break. I will give so that you will know. And he's done that. Huh? He's gone before me and leveled the mountains. He's broken down great uh, gates of bronze, cut through bars of iron to get some people out of jail. Out of, I'm not, I'm not talking about jail. I'm not talking about just physical jail. The worst jail is the one you live in your mind from the regret, from the sin, from the hurt, from the pain that you've caused. And you know what you caused. And you can't take it back and it haunts you. Listen, my friend, Jesus, God said that I will cut through those barns. And he's done it. People say, how do you do it? I had nothing I did. All I did was believe what God said, and he does it. Think about it. You can't change anybody. Huh. Uh, no, the, the doctors couldn't change me. My wife couldn't change me. Nothing could do. The popo didn't change me. The only thing that changed my life was God. It's God. So that's what tells us. So we, we rest on that vision that he's going to do this. Huh? But the vision, the second part of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nation and settle 
in their desolate cities. Descendants, inhabiting nations. See, this verse details what you're going to do. The first one details what God is going to do. The second one is what you're going to do. Now, I used to think there was a first part and second part. I, I changed my whole thing. Because all along through the trip, God has been doing his first part. And we have, since day one, have been doing the, first, the second part. So we're called to enlarge the place of our tent, our church. We're called, right, to strengthen our tent, our cords, right? The cords represent on a tent, on a building, is what holds it together. Listen, and what holds a church together is the leadership. And we're called to strengthen our course. Stretch the tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Why do we do this? Why? Because your descendants, my descendants, you're my descendants, will inhabit desolate cities. Huh? My daughter's gone all over the world. My son's been to Asia. Where are you going? See, for all I know, one of you may be called to Vietnam. I'm not saying you are. But I'm not talking just to be a missionary. I'm talking about to be the pastor there. Why, why am I saying that? Not because it's a good idea. Because God has given us a vision. And he says, my descendants will inhabit desolate cities. Desolate nations. So I have to keep pushing. Pushing. Why? Because the more I fish, if they're not here today, they'll be here tomorrow because they're out there somewhere. And in fact, right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, and they're being stirred, and they're not happy with life. They, they know there's more to life than what they're living. They're caught up in a mess, and they want to get out. And they knew from a little age that God had called them, had set them aside. There was something for them to do, and they just don't know. Listen, I'm here to let you know. We are vision-driven people, mission-minded we're on a mission. I'm not just coming to church because we're coming to church and, and just worship God. We're going to do that. But that, that, that's not our role. Or my goal, my purpose is not just to worship God. My purpose is to worship God. Why? Because he sent me on a mission. He's given me a vision. I have a reason to live when there was none. Listen, I got bored of making money and I made a lot of money. I got bored of buying cars and I bought a lot of cars. I got bored of buying houses and I bought a lot of houses. But live, I'll tell you, I am not one bit bored of doing God's will. The more I do it, the more I want to do it, the more I go, the more I can't wait to go the next time. Because I found it. Listen, I found the connect. And I want to hook you up. Yes, I do. I'm holding heavy. And this is uncut. Uh-uh. No powder sugar in my mess. Uh-uh. If you don't know what I'm talking about, good. But listen, there's no shortcuts. Can I say that again? There's no shortcuts. I, I, I love shortcuts, driving. My wife says, why do you always do this? Because I'm driving. When you drive, you can drive anywhere you are. I'm driving right now. I like shortcuts. If anybody's ever driven to me, you know I am like the shortcut king. Right? But I know one thing. Doing God's will, there's no shortcuts. Oh, no, no, no. The rocky road is a bumpy road. 
and there's no shortcuts. Or broad is the way to destruction. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. Right? They say there's magic. Not always magic in the air. Right? But they don't say that the devil's going to slap you, silly. Beat your kids and take your wife. Huh? They, they don't say that in the song. That's, that's the Broadway. You want the Broadway? Go for it, Jack. Go ahead. Go ahead with your better self. No, I want, I want the rocky road. I want the narrow road. I want the road that God has ordained for me. I want that road full of mission. I want the road full of vision. I know what God has called me to do. The first one to suggest success and achievement without the cross, without the hard way. You know, the first being to suggest that success and achievement without the cross was Satan himself. Jesus objected because Satan said, just perform some miracles. Watch this happen. And you don't have to endure the cross. So Jesus really objected to the miracles Satan wanted him to perform. Satan suggests that Jesus should change useless stones into useful loaves. You don't have to go through the cross. Because Satan didn't know everything, but he didn't. He knew Jesus was on a mission. Jesus knew he had to die. Now think about that. He was going to die, and here was this being saying, you don't have to. There's another way. As a matter of fact, I found a shortcut. Just do what I'm saying, and you'll be cool. Huh? So we should watch out for those will follow Satan's suggestion huh? to not take up your cross. You know, some preachers, all they preach about is prosperity and wealth. Now, listen, I'm not coming against them. I've served God poor, and I've served God with money. I'd rather serve God with money, but I'll serve God anyway. Those things don't motivate me, right? But those who suggest that you must be prosperous and wealthy to serve God, be careful. If they don't bring in that you have to have a cross, be careful. Because, you, you know, I, I don't know about these people. You know, God bless them. God will deal with them. I don't know. I'm just saying this. Jesus said we have to have a cross. And he said we need to pick it up daily. Now, if your cross includes wealth, invite me over for dinner. It may. It may. Well, everybody's different, right? But that is not the criteria. The criteria is that you have a cross to bear. Right? Satan suggested that God would perform a miracle if Jesus would only cast himself from the pinnacle of the temple. Success from Christ's point of view is very simple. Fulfilling God's mission, or rather fulfilling his mission and God's vision. That was success. Everything else flowed out of that. That's success. See, that, that's the type of success I want. Why? Because I have models. Pastor Sonny, Pastor Nick, I know their life. I've been with them for 30 years. I've seen them have nothing, and I've seen them have much. But they never change their mission and their vision. They preach all over the world to the inner cities of the world, world to the hurting and dying people, to the, to the violent, huh, to the lost. They keep preaching and preaching. And I watch them go from nothing 
to flying jets. I've seen it. I've seen Sonny Patterson, witnessed it, seen him be given TV stations from, by TBN that were worthless to turn around in value, and they became so valuable that TBN bought them back from them for millions and millions and millions of dollars that just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And Patterson would give millions of dollars back into the ministry. Wow. It's an amazing thing when you see a person totally committed to the gospel. Amazing thing. Matthew 16, verse 21, as I close. From that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. That he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. His mission. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You, don't have, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. So he who had the will to die on the cross, had the power, power to raise from the dead. Now, the Holy Spirit raises us from the dead. Well, let me ask you, how many of you have been raised from the dead? Come on, how many of you have been raised from the dead? Listen, I know I was dead. I may have been breathing, but I was dead to God. Dead to his love, dead to his mercy, dead. But God came down and somehow flipped that. And I look back, how in the world did that happen? What the Holy Spirit raises us from the dead because he has given us power. Oh, of course we, give, we know it began with Jesus. But listen, unless you're really heavy, Jesus never spoke to you personally. It had to have been somebody. It may have been a grandma, an uncle, a nan, a homeboy, a homegirl. Somebody touched you. Somebody came down who had previously, before you, had chosen to die to themselves, pick up their cross, go through everything they had to go through just to get to us, us who were ungrateful, us who were in sin, us who many of us would reject a dozen times, but they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming till finally... We open our heart to that power that can raise us from the dead. So that's why we have to have our mission minded. You're going to have to have a cross. That mission, what are you going to do? You got to stick to it. Is it going to get hard? Of course. If it doesn't get hard, you're on the wrong mission. Then keep the vision in mind. There's nothing greater and seen a life changed. There's nothing greater on earth than seeing someone who had no hope that everybody had gave up on them to see him standing and saying, God, change me. God, touch me. I had no hope, but today God raised me from the dead. There is nothing greater than that. There's nothing greater. 
So our power, your power is rooted in our commitment to the mission. That's where it begins. Are you committed to the mission? We have a mission. Yes, we're called to go into every inner city of the world. That's our mission, to stretch out to the left, to the right, to inhabit desolate cities, to strengthen our cords. We got to do that. Why? Because while we're doing that, God says, as you're doing those things that I've committed or you have committed yourself to do, and you pick up your cross daily to stretch your cords and do what you got to do, I will give you treasure of darkness. I will bring riches stored in secret places. Listen, my friend, God has brought riches to me from a lot of different weird places. I've shared this. I have been given four houses since I've been in Colorado Springs. Given just to sell them to keep the ministry going. I've easy, hey, give them. They're not mine. I just use them to keep the ministry going. I mean, I was handed the campus, handed riches stored in secret places. When you drove by the, the, what was the name of the motel again? Uh, the Gables Motel. That was an ugly, dope infested, ra- raunchy motel that nobody wanted. Oh, but God seen riches stored in secret places. Uh, he knew that there'd be a laundromat in the bottom of that old house. He knew that there'd be a kitchen in that old rotten garage. And it was rotten. He knew that there'd be a place for somebody to, to, to fulfill their calling. There'd be another a room, room seven, that w- would be all jacked up, but it'd get pretty nice, right? There'd be room eight, room nine, huh? Uh, he knew, he's seen the riches in secret places. And he gave it. See, as long as we're doing our part, God is faithful. He's going to do his part. Are you mission-minded? Are you vision-driven? If not, today is your day. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.